So this is how the birth of Jesus came about. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the Lord and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name, come on, say it with me, Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and she gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who will be born King of the Jews? We saw his star and it went and it rose and we have come to worship him. And when, can I just put something in here um, that's not in the Bible? When insignificant, non-important, not really a proper King Herod. Can I just add that in? When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler. And he will be my shepherd to the people of Israel. If I held a baby on, has anybody got a baby, actually? Has anybody got a baby in the room? Have got one at all? Is there anyone who's got one? We're all in the monster baby group. Okay. Does that mean Kansas baby? Okay, let me come round there. Okay, this looks really heavy to me. Now, 
Just to let you know, for those of you who don't know, this is not a newborn baby. <laughs> but, isn't he cute? Isn't he just the loveliest thing? Everybody, you're going, oh, this is the best I've looked up here for a long time, isn't it? <laughs> if I said to you about a baby, you're going to think of words like adorable, tiny, and in this case, really, really heavy. <laughs> and, and some of you might be even thinking, you know, the words like, don't drop it, Pastor Mark, whatever you do, that's a lawsuit just waiting to happen. <laughs> But let me just, can I give you the game back? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> well, when you think of a baby, you're thinking of cute, tiny, adorable. In fact, lots of you went, oh, and I knew that wasn't for me. But have you ever noticed that the way that the Bible describes the story of Jesus, that you look at the descriptions of Jesus, and he is described as having a birth, and he is described as having a mother, and he is described as his mother was pregnant, and it is described as that she was had something conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so there's no doubt that it was a baby. He is described as a child and a son, and those things are uh, descriptions. But have you ever noticed that he's not really described ever in the Bible as a baby? That he was a baby, but he's never really shown as the baby. And, and this is because the, the scripture wants you to pick up on something different to focus on. You see, our tendency is to reduce this story down to a little bit of, it's a wonderful life and the snow is coming down in slow motion and big flakes and there's little star fairy dust in the background and we're all kind of hearing bells and, and, and mysterious angels around and we want to say goodwill and peace to all men. As if it's something from Walt Disney. And all of those images are great. And let's feel the peace. But Jesus is described in much bigger terms right from the beginning. That his way of coming across to us in the scriptures is not just as a baby. In fact, the scripture never says, let me tell you how this special baby was born. Actually, it opens up with, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Straight away, this person, Jesus, has introduced to you, not as a cutesy baby, but as a Messiah. As a strong figure. His names tell you a lot about how special he is. His titles give you a clue of what the scripture wants you to pick up. You know, some of us have this predisposed idea of what Christmas should be like. I'm sure you've got traditions in different countries and you might miss some of those traditions. And you've got this idea about this is what Christmas should be like. But having a predisposed idea or a predetermined way of seeing things can block your view of to what really is going on. 
You know, when Kathy and I were school teachers, you, you know, and this was wrong of us, by the way, and, you know, we, we tried our best to be fair, and I don't know whether anybody in the house is called Wayne, but we always conferred and thought the children who were called Wayne were always naughty. <laughs> that, you, know, that, you know, if you've got a Wayne in your class, you go, oh no, because they're usually naughty. Now that was bad, wasn't it? To have that predisposed uh, idea, you're all thinking of that person in your class, aren't you? That, oh no, for me it was this guy or this guy. And sometimes when you've seen something in the past, it predisposes you to the future or, or blinds you to what you might need to see in the future. I wonder what you're thinking about Christmas, what it should be like for you. In fact, you know, there was a, a company called School Stickers that give out rewards and they made up a list of all the nice people. And do you realise, Nick, that Chloe came, the name Chloe came out as the nicest uh, person in, in school right now. And, uh, and actually, the, the, the weird thing is, the naughtiest person in school was, was a, a person called Eleanor or Ellie. Now this can't be right because we've got the sweetest children worker named Ellie in the world. And also Chloe, that could be right, of course. But it's wrong, isn't it, to predispose? You can't say every Ellie is naughty. What would it be like if somebody just said, oh, every time I've met a Mark, they've always been a naughty guy. That wouldn't be fair on me. I wonder just for a moment what your predispositions are, what your prejudices are. I wonder what your thoughts are about what Christmas is supposed to be like this. And this is the story. I just wonder if there are things that, because you think you already know it so well, that you're going to miss some really <coughs> important truths about Christmas. The Christmas story in the scriptures is trying to steer you away from the predisposition that it's about a cute baby. It's trying to push you away from that and to help you to see that this isn't just a Walt Disney scene, that something deeper is going on here. In the passage that I read earlier, here's a few uh, descriptions of what Jesus is because he was born a king. His first title that's given to him is, is that he is called Messiah. Messiah means rescuer or deliverer and it, it implies that something's trapped. Some person needs help and they need to be rescued or delivered. That's what a Messiah is. Jesus, the deliverer. Why do we call him that? And then he goes on and it says he comes from the Holy Spirit. That actually he's from a divine essence. And to him you can't just call him a great teacher or a prophet or a guru. That actually because he's called from the Holy Spirit that it means that he's actually got something divine about him and it means that you can lean on him for anything. You can trust him for anything. Because he's not just wanting to give you life principles. There's something really different about him. And he's called Jesus. 
Jesus is a, a word from the Hebrew meaning Joshua and it means the one who saves or salvation is in you. And again the implication is that something needs saving. Perhaps someone needs saving. His whole name means I've come to do something that's a little bit different than you think. In Matthew chapter 1 verse uh, 23 it says that he's called the Son. The book of Hebrews says that he, he proved his sonship by allowing himself to suffer and he, and he works out for us how to model this intimate relationship between the Father and him. He's more than just a baby. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, you call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Bible wraps it up and makes it so much more kind of important and begins to say, look, this isn't just a baby. This is very God with you and with me. Don't just put this as Walt Disney here. And then he goes on further and says, he's called the king of the Jews. And he's got specific rights over that nation and the responsibility of leading them. And what he does was, he says, Jews, you have come all this way in this direction, but I have come now and I'm leading you in a different direction. And the Jews couldn't handle that. He was the king of the Jews. But then the Bible then moves it on and calls him ruler. In Matthew 2 verse 6 it says he is the ruler. And the word there means that he is this guide who brings direction and guides everyone. He's not just a baby. He's not just a, a lovely baby with a, with a beautiful smile. He's the ruler that says I can guide you. I can bring shape and direction to you. And then the Bible calls him, just in the few verses that we read, and he will be a shepherd. And a shepherd is a protector and a nurturer. He leads, he feeds, he protects and nourishes. It's actually the way that he leads and guides in a shepherdly way. And so, you might see a baby. And it's right that you see the baby. It's right that you see vulnerability. It's right that you see that God said, I will give up all my majesty and come down and be with you. But it, the Bible wants you to also see a king. That he's born a king. That he's born for direction. Born for shape. Born to lead you. Sometimes... We have to be clear who someone is at first. You know, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest scientists of uh, our time, did you know that when he was growing up, that he was very slow to speak, in fact so much so, that his parents took him to the doctors who, who helped him speak better. And actually, Albert Einstein got thrown out of a school and the head teacher said, I can't deal with this, this boy who's so rebellious. And another uh, teacher in the new school actually said he won't add up to much. It's kind of funny you use the phrase add up where you go about Albert Einstein, isn't it? You see, 
What you see at first sometimes isn't what you think it is. And actually because Albert Einstein couldn't speak, it helped him to think things through. It helped him because he had a bit of a rebellious nature against authority. It helped him to ask the questions that needed to be asked. His father gave him a compass at the age of five and for the rest of his life he wondered what magnetic fields were like. And it would have been easy to write him off, but eventually Albert Einstein became something and someone that has changed all of our lives. I wonder how predisposed you are to say, nah, I've got this story, I've got this handled, it doesn't really say anything new to me. I'm just wondering if perhaps you can learn the lesson of peace. There was once a man who didn't really believe in God, and he didn't hesitate to let others know that he believed in God. He didn't hesitate to think what he, what he had to say about religion and religious holidays. He didn't believe, but his wife believed. They lived in the Scottish Highlands and were running a farm there, and his wife took his children and wanted to go to a nativity play one night where they were going to talk about how God became man and showed us how much Jesus cared for them. And one snowy evening, his wife taking his children to that service in the community in which they lived, where they talked about Jesus becoming this baby, he refused to go and he said, that's just nonsense. Why would God lower himself to come to earth as a man? That is a ridiculous idea. So off she went and took the children and he stayed at home. And a while later the snow and the blizzard blew in. As it does in Scotland. And his wife was safe down in the community hall and the blizzard blew in. And he settled down by the fire. And all of a sudden he heard this bump by it by the window, and then another bump by the window, and he said, what is that? And he looked outside, he couldn't see anything because of the, because of the snow, and he began to think, oh, I don't know what's going on, and then the snow kind of cleared, and he went outside to check it out, and there was a flock of geese who were flying south for the winter and become disorientated in the storm, and they were kind of flying about two feet off the ground, round and round. And then he noticed that some of the younger ones were beginning to just sit and stand in the field. And they were shivering and he was thinking, they're going to die here. Being a farmer, he had compassion on them and thought, I'll go out and I'll, what I'll do is I'll open up my barn and I'll turn the light on so that black hole of the barn door will look great in front of the the snow so they'll see the direction and I'll have the light and it'll be warm and they'll obviously fly in there out of the storm. And as he opened the barn door and they did nothing, they just kept flapping around, going around in their own direction. So he tried to shoo them around and uh, he tried to get them into the barn but he was just scaring them even more. 
So what he did was, he went into the house and he got some brown bread. It had to be brown because the snow was so white. If he'd put white bread down, they wouldn't have seen it. So he was quite a clever farmer. So he put the brown bread trail to the, to the, to the barn, but it did no use. He circled round the back of them and tried to flat them in. And some of the young ones by now were beginning to lie down. And he thought to himself, if only I could become a goose. And then it hit him. He got some geese in his barn. And he scooped up one of his geese in his arms carried it quietly round the back of the flock that was still circling round. And because the geese, the goose that he had knew the way home, he released it and it flew through the flock, squawking into the barn. And the other geese took notice of that goose and began to follow him into safety. And then it hit him. He heard his own words, if only I could become a goose. And he heard himself in the earlier say, what a ridiculous idea that God could become a man. And actually, he fell down on his knees and said, God, thank you that you sent Jesus to bring me through the storm. The Bible wants to point you not just to a nice fable or a nursery rhyme or a Walt Disney scene or Christmas home for Christmas. It wants to point you to an incredible king who did something incredible for you. So I want to ask you today, so how are you relating to this king? You see, we can pre be predisposed to say things like, this is a nice story, and, and, uh, but you've not really got much time for it. This is what I want to say to you guys who perhaps you're checking out God, you're checking out church, you're checking out things, and you think, you know what, I kind of know what Christmas is about, and that's where you leave it. I always ask people this, get your hardest question about God. I mean, honestly, your hardest thing that you think, well, if they answered that, then that would move me along. Get that question and bring it. And be open to what God may bring back. Or what someone may bring back. Be open. Bring your hardest question. And there might be some people here... You think, well, yeah, I kind of, I'm at a level with Jesus. I, we're just doing enough to be a part of the family. And it's nice to think that we've got the benefits of being with God, sort of. But I want to say to you today that Jesus is a ruler. Jesus is a, is a person who wants to bring direction and shape to your life. He's a person who wants to mold you and shape you. He's also a shepherd. And so instead of muddling through and just doing enough to be a part of the family, what do you need him to do for you? What do you need him to enact for you? So I would say to you, not just for you guys, perhaps another group of people, don't bring him your hardest question. What about your hardest issue? What about the most 
difficult thing that you're struggling with right now. If he is a king and he is a ruler, why don't you bring that? Because he can sort out your deepest issue and he can deliver your deepest dreams. Perhaps there's a third group of people. Perhaps we're estranged. Perhaps we're estranged because we used to be close to God. Perhaps you can remember a heyday. Perhaps you can be a Christian here where you remember that you were better than you were now. What's changed? Perhaps you can remember a time when you were really close to God and you know, when one of the pastors gets a bit emotional at the front or you, you see during communion somebody else is weeping and worshipping and you're thinking, I used to do that. Perhaps it's time for you to say, shall we talk now? I don't know whether you know the new Nest Cafe oh, uh, advert. I've, I've watched the Nest Cafe advert all my life. And for those of you who know that, the man gets the girl sometimes and he doesn't get the girl and then you think he doesn't want the girl and then the girl doesn't want him. And it's been a saga all of my life, the Nest Cafe adverts. The latest one is how a man walks into an amphitheatre with 80,000 people. And he asks this question, for those of you who don't know my name, please sit down. And lots of people sit down. And then he asks another question and says, for those of you who didn't know that my nickname at school was Princess, please sit down. And another group of people sit down. And then he says, for those of you who have never seen me cry, please sit down. And another group of people sit down. And then he says, for those of you who know about the one that got away. Who don't know about the one who got away. Please sit down. And another group of people sit down. And then he says this. For those of you. Who we seem to have lost touch. Please sit down. And disappointedly all around the crowd. Mate, everybody sat down by now. And, and there's about five or six people still standing. And they're looking all sheepish. And they sit down. We'll meet nearly 80,000 people in our lives. If you can't remember my name, please sit down. Sit down if you didn't know my nickname at school was Princess. Sit down if you don't know about the one who got away. If you've never seen me cry. Take a seat. If somehow we've lost touch. 
you have a moment now? Of all the people we'll meet, only a few become special to us. Stay close. Stand by me. But the commercial ends with him saying, Hey, shall we talk now? Have you got a moment now? And I wonder if you're here today and you've been great with God at some point. Have you got a moment now? Perhaps you're that first category of person where you're saying, well, I think I know about Christmas, or I put Christmas in a box, and anyway, God's this and God's that, and I would just say, bring your hardest question. Come and bring it. Have the honesty, have the intellectual and emotional honesty to say, if I could hear something about that, then I would step closer. And maybe you're that person who, that even though you're just in the family, you're carrying something and you need to bring it. But maybe you're that person who you might just want to say, we used to talk. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come and I'm going to ask everybody to stand, if you will. Because this ruler, this shepherd, this king wants to take you into all that you need. He wants to shape you, mould you, connect you, bless you, honour your history. Touch you your story. It's a little song that goes, here I am to worship, here I am to bow. And we're just going to sing that. Just for a few moments in this silence, in this moment, as we sing, here I am to worship, perhaps you could just say, Shall we talk again, God? Shall we... Shall we just reconnect? Because Christmas isn't just about presents and stuff like that, although I hope I get thousands of presents this year. I hope that you can see that it's about a king that loves you, that cares for you. He's just waiting for you to connect. Bring your hardest question. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to bring me an issue. But maybe just in these moments, perhaps the king would just say, shall we talk now?